I wanted to just pick up with you in John chapter 3, just a few verses that you saw demonstrated uh, in the scene with Jesus and Nicodemus from the chosen. And I think we'll just pick this up about uh, verse 13. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. How many of you are glad for the salvation of God? Amen. Now what we're doing this year is we're talking about the ability of God to transform us from one form to another into His image, His nature, so we act like Him, talk like Him, believe like Him, function like Him, have the same kind of priorities that He has, and we're investigating those things that are agents of transformation. And on Wednesday night, I began talking about uh, you know, seven processes that God uses to transform us. And if you will engage these processes and continue at them throughout your Christian life, you'll continue to be transformed into His image and tap into everything that He has promised to do and everything that uh, He has promised to give you in this life. I'm just going to mention them briefly and then dive into the, the particular one first, salvation. But these forces or these processes include the process of salvation. Everybody say salvation. salvation. Say it again. Say salvation. salvation. Say it with me. Justification. justification. Adoption. Adoption. Sanctification. sanctification. Impartation. Impartation. Redemption. Redemption. And glorification. Now, there's a lot of background, a lot of foundational teaching that you'd be uh, wise to partake of, go online and just listen to the Wednesday night message. But I want to point out to you that these processes that are spiritual, supernatural processes are instantaneous in terms of their effect in your life, but they're also progressive and continual. For example, with salvation, if all I see is salvation is a one-time event, how many of y'all remember when you gave your life to Christ? That's wonderful, but if you overemphasize that particular moment in time, you're going to miss the point that it's not just instantaneous, it's also progressive and continued. We're still working out our salvation. We're still moving forward. This is the same thing about justification, same thing about adoption, same thing about sanctification. Just as an example, how many of you have sinned after you gave your life to Christ? Raise your hand. Look at all them sinners. I'm telling you what, bless God. <laughs> What this means is if you were fully sanctified at the point of your salvation, you wouldn't have sinned afterwards. So we know that sanctification, as an example, is instantaneous. Say it instantaneous. Separated from sin and separated unto the Father for His works, for our service in terms of doing what we can for Him to be a vessel unto honor. It's instantaneous, but it's also progressive or ongoing. Now, aren't you glad you're not the heathen you used to be when you first got saved? Come on, can I have a better amen than that? Amen. You are not what you used to be. But because it's a process, we're also moving forward in our sanctification. Well, that's just an example to help you understand what I'm talking about today. Today we're talking about that first life-changing, world-shaking force or process known as salvation. Now, when we talk about theology, I'm going to give you some foundation to each one of these to make sure we're on the same page in terms of what we understand these terms to mean. It comes from the Greek word soterion, or in this case, we're talking about soteriology. And all that is, is the study of the doctrine of salvation. There's nothing more important that you understand that you can be saved. Amen. How you're saved. 
who does it, why he does it, and the impact and effect on your life. You say, well, that's just fundamental to Christianity. Yes, the concept of being saved at that instant is, but what's missing is the understanding that salvation is a process that's supposed to continue all the way through your life until that one day that we are with him. I understand this, that salvation is the process whereby we're made sound and whole in every part of life. You don't have to go very far, but in Scripture you'll see that there are ten lepers that were what? Healed physically. One came back and thanked the Lord profusely, and the Bible calls him whole or sound. He was moving forward in the process of salvation where they just received one dimension or aspect of that, sal of that salvation, namely their physical healing. Salvation is that process that should produce soundness and wholeness in every part of your life. Soteriology deals with who is saved. Look at somebody say, that's who believes. It deals with who is saved. It, it, it deals with by whom. And we know it's by the blood and only the blood of the Lamb. Say it with me, the blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. is how we're saved. But what are we saved out of or from? It's a thing called sin. I love that scene because it points out one important aspect. Jesus didn't come to deliver them from Rome. Nicodemus said it best in that scene. Some of y'all remember that actor from The Mummy. I mean, I like him better in this than The Mummy. Hallelujah. <laughs> but, he, but he said, uh, so it's all about sin. That's why he came. That's what separated mankind from the Father. And Jesus, in dealing with that, has given us new hope and eternal salvation. We understand this from the inception of our Christian life and our Christian culture. When we celebrate things like Christmas, the Bible tells us that he came to save his people from their sin. To save them from their sin. Say that, to save me from my sin. He shall save his people from their sins. This is related to the Greek word sozo, which literally means physical healing as well as spiritual healing. Listen carefully to this concept today. It's freedom from physical danger and the effects of sin. What you have to understand about soteriology, sozo, it involves every part of your life. It's not just the spiritual part. It's everything. It's about wholeness and soundness. Let me give some examples today. Soteria, or salvation, denotes forgiveness. How many are glad for that? Amen. Anybody here ever need forgiveness? <laughs> it denotes forgiveness and wholeness and soundness and healing and protection and deliverance and provision and direction. Whatever you need saving from, it provides it. God will protect and preserve and provide his people, and it all starts with the process of salvation. Amen. You know, when I began to study these things further and further in these different processes, I just, I just come to myself and say, you know, I can't believe anybody would turn this down. Once you understand how great a salvation this is, why would anybody turn away from the things of God to serve false gods or what they believe are no gods at all? But understand this, to be saved means to be changed. And if you haven't changed since you were so-called saved, then the process of salvation is not active and working in your life. No, you haven't arrived yet, but you should be growing in your salvation. You should be developing in what God is doing in your life. Amen. The Bible tells us in Acts 4.12 that salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. You know it like this. Jesus said, I'm the way. 
I am the way and the truth and the life. Amen. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's not Christian bigotry. That's just truth. There truly is only one name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Listen to this from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received is just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. He says, you know what? I'm saving people, and here's the proof that I'm actually saving people. Amen? 1 Peter chapter 1, 8 through 9. This is something you need to meditate upon, especially in these last days. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now understand this. Salvation is instantaneous in repentance and belief and confession. But it's ongoing as we press in to tap into everything he has promised us through that salvation. How many glad you're saved today? How many glad you've been born again? Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. He's like, I don't think I can crawl back in my mother's womb again. He said, you're missing the point. We're talking about spirit giving birth to what? To spirit. And you have people that make fun of us. Oh, you're part of that uh, born again crowd. You're part of that saved crowd. Yeah, because that's what Jesus taught. Say it with me. I must be born again. That's when the process of salvation and all that follows, it, it, it begins with that concept. It begins with that revelation. So going back to this, what are you saved from? Well, first of all, you're saved from the control of sin. Say with me, the control of sin. Anybody out here glad you're no longer a slave? Can you remember when you were a slave? I mean, you were just completely dominated by the control of sin, but when you gave your life to Christ, now at least you understand you have the liberty and the freedom to walk in holiness and victory in your life. But not just from the control of sin, the consequences of sin. Consequences like death, hell, and the grave, you and I have been delivered from. You should be happy today that you're not going to be, amen, dead, but you're going to live forever. And guess what? You're going to live forever with Him. The grave has no hold on you. Sin has no hold on you. Hell has no claim to you. Don't ever stop rejoicing in those realities. Amen. Not just the control of sin or the consequences of sin, but the consciousness of sin in indifference to, indifference to the consequences. You and I, when we do something wrong, have you ever felt bad because you did something stupid or wrong? Do you know that before your conversion... That pain would never disappear. It's with you forever. But as a Christian, if you blow it and you repent of it because of the force of salvation, the longer time goes by, the less conscious you are of that. Amen. Unless you fail to deal with the accuser of the brethren operating in your life. He sets you free from the control and the consequences and the consciousness. So that you can what? You can be led of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You can enjoy the future he has destined for you and for me. And you can enjoy a consciousness of your righteousness given to you by him. Instead of running around all the time, beat up and depressed because you've made mistakes. Look at somebody and say, you've made mistakes, so if I not get over it. Come on, tell him, get over it. 
Saved people don't wallow around their mistakes. They repent and confess them and they move on in Jesus' name. A righteous man falls seven times and he does what? He gets back up. It's time for some of us to what? Get back up. You just start all over again. But salvation is much more than just forgiveness. It's the mercy of God to alleviate the distress that the sin caused while you were in that sin. You say, I don't understand that being fair. Why would God do that? Because that's how merciful your God is. Have me can testify that God's getting you out of, gotten you out of more than one mess that you created. Come on, can I have a better amen than that? We sin, we create a mess. Not only does he deal with the sin, he deals with the mess. And look at somebody and say, and I know you, you've been a mess. Amen, praise the Lord. That's what this does. It deals with the distress that sin caused. It also helps you have the power to become like God in character. It's not just you're forgiven. It's that he's transforming you through the salvation process to be like he is, alleviating you from that distress, but also making you like God is. That mercy gives you the process of tapping into everything he died to give you. If you can find a promise attached to something God said to his children, Old Testament, New Testament, you can walk in that because of that salvation experience and process. God has made great and precious promises to us. And I can tell you one thing, I see that the people today are balking at the processes, they're balking at the promises of God, and you should say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. If God said I can have something, I'm going to take it, I'm going to receive it, and I don't care what somebody else thinks about it. Let me try that again. It's nobody's business what you believe. I'm watching people get bent out of all shape because, you know, they don't want to believe something. Darling, it's your right not to believe that. But you do not have the right to tell me I can't believe what God has promised me in his word. They're yes and they're amen. If you just want your little darling, you want to be saved and go to heaven someday, then praise the Lord. Thank God you're going to heaven. But if I want to enjoy everything the blood gave me through the blood of Jesus and by his power, I'm going to so you can just shut up you. Don't let yourself be talked out of what a high price paid to give you through that salvation process. I don't understand that thinking. You know, all God cares about is you getting spiritually saved and dying and going to heaven. I wish they would just read the Bible. Is that asking too much? No. <laughs> but not only does it give us that you know, ability and right to tap into everything that he promised us. It also gives us the ability and the power to extend that mercy to other people like it was extended to us. Amen. Listen carefully. This salvation process and all that goes with it is just marvelous. The things he has promised to do. The things he has committed by covenant to do for those that look upon him. Those that have received him. It's marvelous. But I, I received today, and I received my understanding by the Spirit of God, that you and I can only go so far in the process of salvation and tap into the benefits that are associated with that salvation to the extent that we're willing to extend that same mercy to others. Right. Listen carefully. It is not just your forgiveness you compromise when you won't show mercy to others. That should be plain. If you won't forgive, you will not be forgiven. But listen to me. You will also have subject, you know, and problems in the era of believing God for healing. 
You can you cannot be healed physically, mentally, in terms of your soul. You cannot receive provision. You cannot receive deliverance when God has given you great mercy for these things, but you will not give them to others. You'd be amazed what an unforgiving heart and unmerciful heart is blocking themselves from in terms of the benefits. I can tell you this, nobody is worth my forgiveness, amen. amen. Nobody is worth my healing. Nobody is worth my deliverance. Nothing they said, nothing they do, nothing they will ever do or say is worth every breakthrough that God has promised me. I think I'm going to go ahead and just be merciful anyway in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be loving and kind to others. Because he just doesn't give you the power to receive these things. He gives you the power and the ability to be merciful to others. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain what? Mercy. They will obtain the mercy to alleviate the distress in their lives. Amen. What a wonderful salvation this is. But understand this. According to Matthew eleven twelve, the kingdom of God suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. Now, a lot of people think they understand this, and some people are just confused by the statement, violence. Who's doing the violence? It literally means that those who would approach and receive the things of God, like salvation, like the process of salvation and all that comes with it, they make a concerted effort to enter the kingdom in spite of violent opposition. They press in to receive even while others oppose them in their receiving. In other words, you can't sit back and be passive and tap into every dimension of your salvation. And you can't be talked out of it. And you can't be shamed out of it. Can I have an amen? Amen. You press in. The violent do what? They take it by force. In this case, he's, he's describing people who will not let other people talk them out of what God said they can have or distract them or confuse them. Now, you may not think it's a big deal. Maybe people that you know don't think it's a big deal, but I think it's a big deal when producers of the Grammys intentionally say they were trying to reach the hearts of children with their satanic demonstration the other night. Now, I haven't watched the Grammys in years because I could care less about that. When it was just about performance, that was one thing, but now it's about skewing the minds of the people that are actually there and exposing them to nonsense. Now, the, the satanic church says that they really didn't do a good job portraying them. I don't care about that. What I care about them is intentionally trying to influence our children That's right. in different things, including transformations that violate the Word of God. That's right. And trying to obscure the only way people can have a remedy for sin, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Mocking the Lord in His Last Supper. Go ahead and mock all they want to. God cannot be a mock. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. He sits on his throne and he laughs. But what is this all about? How come there's not a depiction of Muhammad receiving his inspiration from his so-called God? How come there's not some kind of making fun of Buddha on the Grammys? How come Hare Krishna isn't a target? How come the Taoists and those that worship their ancestors are target for that? Why is it always Jesus that is a target and his people? I'll tell you why. Because you can lift up all those other people and it's not going to save anybody. But you lift up the name of Jesus, it'll save the whole world. That's why they attack him. So none of these things move us, but be aware as parents and grandparents what's out there. It's all intentional to confuse their hearts and distract them from the truth 
The simple, simple truth of being saved and the process that starts in terms of our salvation. We are blessed people because we're on that journey, aren't we, church? We're blessed people because we're on that road. Glory to God. I want to tell you today, learn a new concept. When Bartimaeus was hungry for some salvation and he heard about a Savior and a healer, he began to cry out. And there's some people who don't like that kind of boldness. Even some people in the church. That's right. Even some of his own disciples. Hey, pipe down. You don't matter. And what did he do? He cried all the more. And not just any cry, hey, you, I heard you're this. No. Hey, son of David, heir to the throne of God, Messiah, have mercy on me. Shut up, shut up, shut up. And he cried all the more. Then the same people that, people that rebuked him came over and said, hey, cheer up. He's calling you. <laughs> Religious people don't make any sense at all. <laughs> is it? Is it I'm bothering him or he's calling me? Should I be depressed or should I cheer up? And throwing his license to beg aside his garment, his begging blanket, he came to Jesus and Jesus said, what do you want me to do? And what did he say? I want my side. I want to see. And what did he get? Here's my point. Don't you ever let somebody tell you or shout you down when you're asking God to forgive you. But don't you ever let somebody shout you down when you're asking God to heal you. Don't you let somebody shout you down when you're trying to ask God to bless you or guide you or prosper you or deliver you or give you some kind of restoration. You just shout out all the more. Amen. From now on, you're going to Bartimaeus that thing. Amen. You better, you, better, you better shut up. I'm going to pull out some Bartimaeus on you. Amen. I'm going to open up a can of Bartimaeus all over you. <laughs> Look at somebody and tell them, Bartimaeus, that thing. Bartimaeus. I tell you to shut up. No, I'm saving him in the process of salvation. That's a covenant promise to me. I'm going to lift up my voice all the more. Hey, son of David, have mercy on me. Amen. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your direction. Thank you for your provision. Amen. Thank you for your guidance. Thank you for your deliverance. I'm going to Bartimaeus that thing. Get bolder and bolder and bolder. Because you know what the Word says, and you know what He has promised, and you know the power and the efficacy of that blood. Praise God. So my heart today is to help you understand how to be transformed, not just through the, the isolated moment in time where you gave your life to Christ, but through the process of salvation. Aren't you glad that He's not done with us? I'm aware that a lot of people have been trained to think that, that salvation was a, a one-and-you're-done thing. I'm saved, and now it's all over. There's nothing else to do. No, the force of the process will work all the days of your life if you allow it. And every force, every process that I mentioned today, all seven of them, they're not like you do one, then the other, then the other. No, they work all at the same time Amen. to produce things in your life, to make you conform to His image. Let me just uh, go through these for you. Number one, you need to accept your salvation. I mean, absolutely 100% put your feet down that you believe in Him, that you are a believer, you're going to walk with Him. But I want to help you understand how simple this is. They traveled, according to the book of Numbers, and this is Numbers 24, they traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, but the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses. You know, that's one of the things that happens when you and I have our 
our implosion of patience, we start talking against Scripture. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest the miserable food. The Lord sent venomous snakes among them, and they bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. And then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Amen. How simple is that? Are you snake bitten? You look up at the pole. Watch this. Are you sin bitten? You look at the pole and what, what God put up on it. Jesus. It's a mystery to some people that God could have such compassion on a thief on the cross to spend his entire life rebelling from God. But watch this. One railed on Jesus. The other one said, you know what? I deserve to be here. He ought to shut up. I deserve to be here. Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. On that cross, he glanced over and looked at what God put on the pole. Watch this. That man was the first soul to enter heaven after Jesus was crucified. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? It wasn't how perfect it was. It wasn't what church he went to. It wasn't even, he, he didn't even get down to get baptized. Bless God. You mean he can go to heaven without being baptized? You're missing the points. It's looking unto what God put on that pole. And you and I definitely have been snake bit. Every person in this room has been sin bit. But it's not a church, a denomination, a religion. It's not a code. It's not your works. It's not your service. It's going to save you. It's looking unto in faith at the one that God put on the pole. Hallelujah. Amen. Romans 1.16. Actually, I want to, um, yeah, Romans 1.16 first. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Amen. the simple gospel. For it's the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Not ashamed of that. It, it can't be that simple. It can't be that simple. Well, according to Scripture, it is simple. Who has confused it? The church. Christians. Believers. The passage in Romans 10 that we love so much, I'm going to start in verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in Him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord over all, and He richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. Will be saved. Call on the name of who? The Lord. The Lord. Uh, there are not multiple names that you can call on. There's only one that ever went on that pole for you and for me. It's an exclusive offer. Jesus or not. Now watch this. Everyone in the world has been snake bit, sin bit. Everyone. In other words, we're all dead already. It is not a loving God sending somebody to hell. 
It is a loving God sending someone that is snake bit the only remedy there is for not going to hell. And it's that simple. Hebrews 12, 2. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. It's as simple as looking at the pole. It's as simple as seeing the one that God put there. And the whole world has been sin-bitten. The whole world has been affected by sin. You want to do is not only look at Jesus on the day you got saved, but fix your eyes on him. And he will continue to work out that salvation in your life. Amen? Amen. Say it with me. Sin-bitten, but there is a remedy. And if you're here today and you've never partaken of that remedy, you can before you leave here. You can go just like that thief on the cross from sin bitten, amen, to sin redeemed by that blood that was shed. The second thing you do is not just accept your salvation, but work out your salvation. You say, what does that mean? It means that there's more to it than just you being forgiven and going to heaven one day. It's a process. There are things that you need to be looking for. Listen to the scripture from Mark chapter 16. Uh, excuse me, not uh, Mark 16, but Philippians 2.12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not just in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This has nothing to do with trying to get enough good works together so he'll accept you. It has everything to do with you tapping into everything that salvation provides and continuing to look for that. Listen to this scripture from the NCB. My dear friends, you have always obeyed God when I was with you. It is even more important that you obey now while I'm away from you. Keep on working to complete your salvation with fear and trembling. And then listen to the NLT. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Look at somebody and say, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Come on, listen, church. Save people have results. Save people have fruit. Save people have breakthrough. Save people have things they can talk about that God has done. It's not just one day we are forgiven and go to heaven, punctuate salvation. No, it's continuing throughout your life. And you should have results today. And you should have results tomorrow. And you should have results in 10 years. Amen. You should see God working in you and working through you. Salvation is a continual process. Keep looking unto Jesus and more and more of that salvation is going to manifest in your life. As long as you don't say, well, I've got all there is. I'll just, you know, worship God and die and go to heaven one day, throw a few chicken dinners and potlucks in there for fun. No. You all know how many chickens have given up their lives for the gospel? Serving God's a little bit more than that. Amen. Amen. Although I've always said you can use your faith and exercise your faith great at a church dinner. Amen. There's a reason why we pray over the food. Amen. Say it with me. Accept my salvation. Work out my salvation. Results every single day of your life. He's doing something else. Amen. There's always more. The well of salvation is something you cannot exhaust. But you should try. Amen? Amen. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to Bartimaeus 
everything he said I could have. Yeah, it's a mystery why people actually fight against good news. I'll never understand that. God heals. No, he doesn't. God prospers. He didn't care about that stuff. It's all about God. It's all about God. If it was all about God, then why did he come in the first place? It wasn't all about God. It was all about God wanting you, wanting to save you and restore you. Sounds so religious. It sounds right, you know, religiously. But the truth of the matter is, he was perfectly fine without you and me coming back to heaven. But apparently he sees something in you. Amen. So make up your mind that you're going to work out your own salvation with fear and trouble. You are going to work towards seeing every result manifestation you can. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And number three today, you need to share your salvation. You need to accept it. Yep. Uh, you need to work it out, keep on producing results, but you also need to share your salvation. Let me read a couple of scriptures with you and just make a couple of comments for you today. Come on, say it. I thank God. Salvation is instantaneous and progressive. Instantaneous and continuing. I'm using my faith to access every benefit, every provision of that salvation. I receive my forgiveness. I receive healing. I receive deliverance. I receive provision. I receive protection. I receive preservation. I receive everything he said I could have. And if somebody says you can't, then you Bartimaeus them. You know, I notice that religious people aren't polite at all in spewing their venom. Amen. You and I should not apologize for being bold for what God said we could have. Listen carefully. Boldness is an indicator of solid faith in some dimension of your salvation. How many of you truly believe that when you die or raptured, you're going to be with the Lord forever? Now see your hand. If you believe you died this week, you're going to be with the Lord. You're not looking to, but if you did. (laughs) Are you convinced of that? You are. Why? You're bold about that because you have absolutely been convinced on the inside of the reality of that redemptive act in your life, and no one can talk you out of it. Let me ask you again. How many of you know 100% sure if you die today, you go to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever? As Brother Osteen would say, you know what? You believe that so deeply, they could beat you into a greasy spot, and the greasy spot would rise up and say, I'm saved and going to heaven. That's the way you've got to get about every dimension of your salvation. That's the way you've got to be about everything. But there's so many voices out there, and everybody's, everybody's got a YouTube channel. Everybody's got something to say. If you want to know what God thinks about something, just turn all that nonsense off and just go back to the Word of God. And listen to what he says here. In Mark 16, verse 20, then the disciples went out, and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. It does not say that just the apostles went out and preached everywhere. You heard Todd say earlier today that 
You may not be called to a church-based five-fold ministry or whatever, but you're called to the ministry. The disciples went out and did what? They went out and preached. Who? A disciple. A disciple, a self-disciplined learner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every person in this room is assigned and called to be a disciple. So everybody in this room should not just be accepting their salvation and working out their salvation. Every person in this room should be preaching as a disciple. That very gospel. Well, I just preach with my life. That's great, but that's not the command. That's only part of the command. In Acts chapter 8, we see the same principle. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip, and how many know what he was called? A deacon. He was serving tables. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks and pure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Are you here today? All the disciples, as they were being persecuted and as they spread out, they continued to preach Christ. Why is this so important? Listen carefully. Sharing what he did for you, amen, releases power in you and through you. Others are affected by it, but so are you. The process is hindered when we keep everything to ourselves. Whenever he does anything for you, you should be telling other people. Start with your salvation. Start with your forgiveness. I'm glad there's there's a time where you knew that you were forgiven. But what else in this process of salvation has he done? When he does something else along the way, tell people about it. Speak about what happened to you. Just like the early disciples, they saw things, they heard things, and they told what they saw and they heard. That's what you and I should be doing. What most people don't understand is that when they share their faith, There is a power released to touch the person they're talking to, but that power helps you tack further into your own salvation as you honor God. That was pretty weak. When you share what he has done for you, it advances your own salvation. Come on, shout it out. When I share my faith, When I share what he did for me, it advances my salvation. You may have thought it only advances the salvation of the person that's hearing you. But it does both. Why it's so important. It was said that Philip preached Christ. What did he preach? (laughs) I'm going to leave you today with the simplest but most effective way to preach Christ and to share the gospel. It's not complicated. Number one, everybody in the world is snake bitten. Every single person is sin bitten. God put one person on a pole to deal with your snake bite and your sin. And if you look to him in faith, he will deliver you from that bite. Amen. 
and save you forever. I promise you, when you begin to start framing things this way, it's not that God's going to send somebody to hell. Everybody is already on their way. They're already bitten. All the person who has been bitten needs to do to end up in that place is not look upon the one who is on the pole. But look what the scripture says, that all those that looked upon him were healed. All of them. And what did Jesus say? And if I be lifted up on that pole, I will what? Draw all men unto me. Anyone who is snake bitten that looks upon him in faith will have the remedy for that bite. And if you just simply share it that way, you're going to find a lot of people receiving understanding. Oh, well, Pastor, you know, I was taught about the Romans road and the ABCs and of this and of that. Just tell them, get brother, you are snake bit. You're going to die. But if you look at Jesus, you will live and live forever. Right. How simple is that? Why would I say that? I'll tell you why. Because it worked for Nicodemus. And if it worked for Nicodemus, it'll work for the people that you're dealing with. Amen. How well did it work for Nicodemus? Timothy and I were talking about this the other day, that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus took possession of his body. That's right. Nicodemus in that video, and the scripture says in John, that he came in very much stealthily to visit with Jesus in the night so somebody wouldn't see him. Yeah. But that same man openly, boldly demanded the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and identified himself forever as a believer who was also snake bit but found the remedy. Look at somebody and say, if it'll work for Nicodemus, it'll work for your family. Say, if it'll work for Nicodemus, it'll work for your friends. It'll work for your co-workers. They're already bit. And if I'm the devil using the Grammys or educators or college professors or the media or government, I want to do everything I can to hide the only remedy there is for being bitten by sin. Listen, you ought to be Bartimaeus and things thing like crazy. How dare you imply there's only one name? I'm not implying, I'm stating emphatically that's what the Word of God says. There is only one name given on men under heaven by which we must be saved. That is a remedy for the sin bite that every person has, and it's terminal. Amen. It's time for the body of Christ to lose its shame over what God has done. And give up being silent over what he has done for fear it offends somebody else. Amen. This is not my... My message today is something that's, that's kind of percolating, but I'm going to tell you this. Everything you see going on, from open, blatant Satan worship to emphasis on transitioning one gender to another, the confusion of androgyny, all kinds of things going on, all have their root in the devil himself. It is a coalition of the ungodly. It is a coalition of the reprobate. It is a coalition of those that, that hate your God. And they're not afraid to say it. Show it. Speak it. So when they demand you be silent, they want you to be silent because they don't want you talking about the man on the pole. 
You mean like Bartimaeus and say it all the more. That's good. Come on. I've never on this platform ridiculed, made fun of, paraded, castigated anybody in any kind of sin or confusion in their life. We've always said this is a safe place. It's a safe altar. It doesn't make a difference what your problem is. We haven't never made fun of people and their sexuality or their choices. As one preacher said to somebody that asked him, you know, I was born this way. I have a drive towards men if you're a man. Or I have a drive towards women if you're women. You have a drive. He says, you know what? Everybody has drives like that. He said, I was raised and I had a drive to lay with everyone. But I knew it wasn't God's will. Do you see the wisdom of what he is saying there? I don't see churches doing this. I don't see preachers doing this. We just simply say, here's what the word says. And because that, we're called haters and intolerant and bigots. Let me tell you who the bigot and the intolerant one is. Who will pick Jesus out and Christianity out of a crowd to make fun of over national and international broadcasts. In other words, I'm here to tell you authoritatively, you're not the intolerant ones. They're the intolerant ones. Lift your voice all the more, Bartimaeus, and talk about the one on that pole. It should have been listening to Mr. Rogers years ago when he sang, boys are boys from the beginning. And if you're a boy, you stay a boy. And he said, girls are girls from the beginning. And if you're a girl, you stay a girl. Everything we only needed to know growing up was Mr. Rogers if we had just listened to the man. They tried to cancel him too, but he's already with Jesus. Can't cancel him, amen? (laughs) All that confusion is designed to hide the one simple truth. We're all bit by sin, There's one remedy, and the devil wants to hide that, and the last people that need to be agreeing with the devil is the church. Tell everybody you know, everybody, tell them, we are all sin-bitten just like they were snake-bitten. And there is a remedy on the pole, and God put him up there in mercy, not to condemn us, but to save us. If you'll just look upon him and look upon that pole, look upon him on that cross and have faith in him, you will have a remedy for that bite. And sin, the grave, hell, will have no hold on you. Amen. Amen. Process a salvation. You accept your salvation. You work out your salvation, fear and trembling. Don't you leave anything on the table and get out there and share your salvation like never before. But don't confuse yourself, intimidate yourself. Do not burden yourself with things that don't matter. Just keep it simple. And watch and see what God will do. Amen. I think we ought to give him a big hand clap and shout for his salvation. It's great. Come on, praise him today. Come on, bless the Lord.